Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a female slave who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men, these Jews are disturbing our city and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us being Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The very moment of confirmation that the lost submarine would not be found, that it had malfunctioned and the men and women on it would not return to the surface, a friend on Facebook posted, Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm hath bound the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keep. Oh, hear us when we cry to thee, for those in peril on the sea. 
The news that their sub had malfunctioned did not make me feel like singing. But even for that tragic moment, there is, in fact, a song to sing. That's the subject of today's sermon. Today we are talking about music, art, and literature. The title of the sermon is Artistic Expression. For today we celebrate those who have been given a gift, a gift of pointing to God amid disaster. Even amid disaster, we can praise the Lord. Amen? Even stuck in a submarine on the bottom of the ocean, we might sing, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth break forth into joyous songs and sing praises. Even as one of those 700 asylum seekers sinking in a boat off the coast of Greece, we too might lift up our voices to sing, let the sea resound and everything in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. For he comes to judge the earth and he will judge the earth in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now, maybe you wouldn't want to hear me sing those things i might not even feel like singing in that moment but there are people who can because the world is full of people who have been given the gift of artistic expression think with me about paul and silas that paul and silas would sing while imprisoned blows my mind they had so much to be frustrated with an enslaved girl had been getting on their nerves. We read that after she had been following them around again, saying again and again, these men are servants of the Most High God, that Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit which possessed her, I'll order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. It did. The spirit that had been possessing her left her, but the people who owned her were angry when they found out, for once the spirit left her, she could no longer tell the future. They couldn't make money off her anymore. So Silas and Paul first were beaten by the Roman authorities, then imprisoned. Did they get sent off to that white-collar prison with a pool and a nice continuing education program? I don't think so. The prison they were in was probably a retrofitted cave, cold, damp, dark. They were put in the innermost cell and their feet were fastened in stocks. It was most likely terribly uncomfortable. That they were put there was terribly unfair. It was all worth getting upset about. Had it been me, I'd be pacing the floor, throwing stuff, and pitching a fit because when something unfair happens to me, sometimes that's what I do. Only they couldn't pace the floor. Their feet were fastened in stocks. What were they to do? They couldn't sleep because you can't sleep like that. Of course, I can't sleep if it's too hot. I can't sleep if it's too cold. I can't sleep if I don't have the right pajamas on. <laughs> so how were they going to sleep with their feet in stocks? They couldn't. They couldn't sleep. There was no TV for them to watch. They're wrongfully imprisoned in the innermost cell with their feet in stocks. How would you be feeling? 
I'd be angry. But what did Paul and Silas do? They sang. And what happened next? My friends, amid frustration, amid trial, unfairness, amid oppression, sometimes we get stuck in our emotions. I have to be in the right mood for our first scripture lesson. I have to be in the right mood for, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Yet Paul and Silas sang in that prison, and what happened next? The hardship lifted. The prison doors were opened. They were set free. For the devil's greatest trick is convincing us that temporary hardship is permanent while the faithful sing their way through the dark valleys of life because they know that hard times won't last. This morning, we're focused on the spiritual gift of artistic expression. When I think of art and the power that artistic expression has, I remember back to September 11, 2001. If you're old enough, you remember just where you were on that pivotal day. I remember where I was. It was the day of opening convocation at Presbyterian College. I was a senior, and as I walked up to get in line for opening convocation at Belk Auditorium, I heard these people with cell phones saying things like, now one's on the way to the Pentagon. Given the events of that day, the opening convocation could not be held as planned. We were all supposed to line up, walk into Belk Auditorium, but no one felt like doing that anymore. In fact, no one knew what to do, so the administration didn't give us instructions. It wasn't clear whether or not classes were canceled. Some people went back to their dorm rooms to watch footage of an airplane flying into the Twin Towers. Others of us went to class stumbling there in a fog of disorientation. I walked into... Roger Smith's History of India on September 11, 2001. I was in there with a handful of other students, and when Mr. Smith walked in, he didn't know what he should do either, so he opened up a book of ancient Indian folk tales, and he read to us for about an hour. It was like we were back in preschool that day. He read us stories. He just read us stories from ancient India, and after 45 minutes or so of doing just that, he says to the class, thank you for letting me do this. I didn't know what to do on a day like today. But on this day, when we all see that human beings are capable of doing horrible things, it helped me so much to remember that we are also capable of doing beautiful things. Whose art reminds you that we are also capable of beauty? Is there a poet in your family who stood up to read something during the funeral that lifted you above the grief 
and pointed you towards heaven? Is there an artist you know of whose paintings bring you comfort in a way that you can't quite explain? Most obvious to me is this group who stands behind me Sunday after Sunday, who shows up to stand right behind me, prepared to praise God, even if the world has turned upside down. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. The members of the choir are, in fact, just like us. Their world gets turned upside down, too. But when it does, they know what to do about it. They sing. Among them are mothers who have shown up to church with wet hair and four children. She looked down from the choir loft and noticed that while there are eight feet between those kids sitting in the pew, there are only seven shoes. And still she sang. On another Sunday, the choir noticed that a man was sitting alone, and the choir didn't know the reason for the divorce, but the choir didn't know what to do. They sang. In the front is a daughter who just lost her mother. In the back, an older member of our congregation who's just moved from a cane to a walker. In the middle is a family with nothing to put into the offering plate when it comes their way. The world for someone in this sanctuary is always being turned upside down, yet the choir always knows what to do. They sing. Sunday after Sunday, they remind us that suffering is temporary while glory is eternal. Sunday after Sunday, they remind us that in a world being torn down by hate, we are also capable of beauty. Sunday after Sunday, they model the faith of our Savior who, though unfairly tried, beaten, and rejected, was nailed to a cross. Yet while he was up there, what did he do? He sang. And to the criminal crucified next to him, he said, Today you'll be with me in paradise, for suffering is temporary while glory is eternal. You may have heard by now that yesterday a group of neo-Nazis lined up in front of an East Cobb synagogue waving swastikas. My friends, every single day our world is being turned upside down. When it happened back in 2015, just after the church shooting in Charleston, South Carolina, I was called along with every other pastor in town to the AME church. It's full of people. Some white, some black, plenty of politicians. All gathered broken hearted because the demon racism had reared its ugly head again. Every one of us showed up not knowing what to say and not knowing what to do. But when the choir sang, when the choir lifted their voices up, we all began to praise God with them. And together, with all our voices singing, we caught a glimpse, not of where we were that day, but of where we're going. The new heaven and the new earth, where all God's children love one another, regardless of religion, skin color, or anything else. Where we are going, my friends, May not be where we are right now, but where we are right now is temporary. 
Nearly six years ago, our choir sang Mozart's Requiem. And more than 2,500 people watched the concert online. Why? They sang one day after a man walked into a concert in Las Vegas, Nevada and shot 60 people. Every one of us needed to hear something that was going to lift us from our despair. Every one of us needed to be reminded that while we human beings are capable of doing horrible things, we are also capable of beauty. We all needed to remember that while weeping may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. Who reminds you of that? Take out your card. Take that pen and the pew rack in front of you and write their name down. If you didn't get a card, just take the back side of your bulletin and write their name down there. Who knew just what to sing? Whose voice brings you comfort? Whose art lifted you up and lifted you above the tragedy that surrounded you? Who helped you to laugh on the day of your father's funeral? Who reminded you that death would not have the final word? Who in your life has been given the gift of artistic expression? Write their name down on your card. Now lift your card up and hold it there for just a minute. This summer we aren't saying the Apostles' Creed like we usually do for the affirmation of faith. This summer, we are affirming our faith in God by reminding ourselves and each other that God is at work in our lives by celebrating those pe people who embody the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When we hold up these cards, we celebrate that God is not dead, nor is he silent, but at work among us. Hallelujah. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.